used different metaphors to talk about what it meant to be a Christ follower. Uh, and one of them was walking. He said, follow me. And, and a lot of times uh, in, in the Christian community, we say, how, how is your walk? How are you walking with Christ? But today we're going to sort of switch up metaphors a little bit because we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, and we're actually going to talk about clothing, about how, how you're dressing. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking back. Now, I've got a lot of decades on me, a lot more than a lot of you. And I'm thinking about, about some of those decades and the way that I dressed. And maybe some of you can think back to a time in your life, a certain decade or a certain year, and you were thinking, man, I was wearing something and it looked so cool on me. And now you look back on it and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that I wore that. And so back in the 70s, you know, I was in college. And I, how many of you remember leisure suits or know about them? You probably don't, but, but leisure suits, okay. So this is a leisure suit right here, okay. So back in the 70s, that's not me, by the way. But um, my hair kind of looked like that. I had the mustache back in the 70s. I had the leisure suit. I had the polyester shirt, which was a big thing with, you know, the hairy chest sticking out. And then um, I also, and I'm really embarrassed to say this, I had the platform shoes. Yeah, I had the platform shoe. And I tell you, man, we were rocking it back in the 70s, and we thought that it looked so good. And uh, so the only way that I would wear that today is if somebody paid me or I went to a costume party. That is the only way. But it's interesting that you can, you can wear something, and, and for a while, you know, you're sporting it, and it looks really good. You're like, oh, man, this looks so good. And then time passes, and then you're looking back, and you're going, oh, oh, that, that didn't look so good. And, and for some of you, you know what I'm talking about, like, you ever reach into your closet, and you pull something out, and, you know, maybe it's, it's a pair of pants or a blouse or a skirt or something, and, and you're looking at it, and you're going, oh, that's, that's kind of yesteryear or yesterdecade or whatever it is. And it, it just, it's just not, you're not feeling it. Maybe you've outgrown it, or it's just, just not working for you. We all kind of know that, that feeling. So in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and turn there? Ephesians, and we continue our journey through this book written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus. And um, if you've been with us, you know that in the first three chapters, the Apostle Paul drills in on our identity. And he talks to us, and he keeps saying over and over and over the first three chapters, this is who you are. You are in Christ. He uses that phrase a lot. You are in Christ. And then he says, you are chosen, and you are called, uh, and you are adopted in the family of God. Uh, he goes on, he says, you are redeemed. You've been set free. And he says this kind of stuff over and over again. Now, the, the question is, why does Paul do that? Why does he spend like three whole chapters just telling us who we are? Because when we forget who we are, we lose our way. When we forget who we are, we lose our identity. Bad things happen to us. And so for three chapters, this is who you are. This is who you are. Now, after he tells us who we are and we've established the foundation of who we are, then he says, and this is what it looks like. This is what it looks like to follow Christ. This is the way that you dress. So um, let's begin with verse 17. So I tell you this, and I insist on in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So let me explain something really quickly. Gentiles, there's two ways that, you, that, that Paul uses the word Gentile. One way that he uses sometimes is just a person who's not Jewish is a Gentile, but that's not the way that he's using it here. When he talks about don't be like the Gentiles or don't, you know, in the futility of your thinking or whatever, don't be like a Gentile, he's saying, He's talking about somebody who's outside of faith, somebody who's outside. They don't have a relationship with God. So just understand that, and then um, it'll help you understand where Paul's coming from. Verse uh, 18, he he continues, They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Have you ever, you ever experienced your heart getting a little hard? I, I was talking to uh, one of our deacons back there. I can see him back there right now. I remember he told me something that really made an impression on me. He said, one of the reasons that I came to Christ, he says, is because I knew that my heart was getting hard, and I knew that I was going to lose my heart. It's interesting, the word, the actual Greek word that he uses here, it means harder than marble. You could lose your heart. And then he goes on, and he says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way that you learn when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. That'd be kind of like the equivalent of the old wardrobe, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, the new wardrobe, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, the question is, what does that look like? Well, what, what to wear? Okay, this is not something you don't want to wear. All right, this, I think, I'm pretty sure this is like 80s stuff, and, and uh, I think probably most of us guys in the room would not want to be caught with either the hair or, or the outfit or much anything that they're wearing. We'd go, yeah, you know, back in the 80s, it was, you know, they, they, it was working back in the 80s, but it ain't working today, not in 2018, not unless you were going to a costume party or something like that. Now, having said that, my wife has this way, she's always like, Steve, please be a little sensitive, okay? I realize that there's some people that are retro forever, okay? So if you're one of those people, I don't mean to insult you, I'm just saying, okay? Um, so he says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful nature. So, hey, look at Christianity, being a Christ follower, looks like something. It's just not something that you say. It's not the fact that you just go to a church. It actually looks like a life that is changing, that's, it's, that's transforming. So we have to identify what is from my old life that doesn't look good in my new life. Like, what, what should I leave behind in my old life? And I, as, as I'm living my life out today, as a Christ follower, I say, that shouldn't be a part of my life anymore. Maybe it's something, maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's the words you use, uh, maybe some of the places you go, people you hang out with, whatever it is. So this, this is like, this, this is Karen and myself, my wife and myself. And see, that doesn't work anymore. That was like the late 80s, and we're in Hawaii. Uh, and uh, notice the big hair, you know. Was, I wish I had some of that hair back, but anyway... Just, just, just the big hair. Karen's got huge hair there, and, and we, we've got those, uh, all those uh, crazy 80s colors going on there. Now, back then, that was working. You know, I, you know, I have got to say, I think, I think back then it was pretty cool, but, you know, if we walked in today to this little barbecue thing we'd have, you'd all go, so, <laughs> so, uh, costume party, or, you know, what happened? Because it's just, it, it's, you know, we, it, we have to update. So, Ephesians 4.18 says this. Now, as Paul starts to get into this progression of what, remember, what did I say a Gentile is in, in this estimate? is somebody just outside of faith. So this is somebody who is not a Christ follower. He says, and this is his reference, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, there's, there's two kind of ignorance. There's ignorance that's like, I don't know because I just don't know, and that's okay. But then there's self-imposed ignorance. And that's the kind of ignorance where I'm saying, I don't want to know. I don't want. I, I know enough, and 
I don't want to be held responsible for, for knowing anymore. And so what Paul, as Paul begins to sort of roll this thing out, there's kind of this slippery slope of he's saying, so he's talking to people who are outside of faith, but he's also talking to people who are in faith, but they're falling away from God. In the Old Testament, there's a word it's called backsliding. Maybe some of you have heard that before. People, they're losing their way. And so he says, this is what it looks like to either fall away from God or just be outside of God. First of all, he says they, they reject God's way. And I know probably most of us would say, well, I don't you know, outrightly reject God's way. I, I just kind of do my own thing, which in many cases means you're actually rejecting God's own, own way. Uh, living life on my own terms. That's the whole attitude. It's like, well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Um, you know, I try to be good, but at the end of the day, I just kind of do my own thing. Being willfully ignorant. Um, again, that's a choice that I make. Let me give you an example of this. And I'm going to out myself right in front of my wife here. But anyway, so my wife is an awesome cook, a wonderful cook. And every once in a while, she'll say, well, so, you know, you should make something. And, and I'm like, well, I, I don't know how. I don't know how. Um, you should make pancakes for the kids. Well, I don't know how. Um, and and um, the reason I don't know how is because I don't want to know how. Because she cooks so good. And so if I learn, then I'm going to be in the kitchen. I don't want to be in the kitchen. Anyway, I was just saying. So that's what we're talking about. But we're talking about the person who, who is saying, look, it, I don't really want to know all that stuff. I don't want to be exposed to all you know, those that God ideas and the Bible and everything because I kind of prefer just to remain ignorant about it. And then just... Flat out refusing to listen. Maybe you, you, you know, you're, you're starting to sort of lose your way with God, and, and, and there's people that are beginning to speak into you, people that you care about, people that have wisdom, and, and you're like, you're just blowing them off. You're, you're, and so this is what Paul talks about. Then he takes it to the next level. In uh, verse 19, he said, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. I, I, I thought about that word sensitivity, losing all sensitivity, and, and it reminded me of a terrible disease that was around for a long, long time called leprosy. Now, it's not a problem anymore because we now have a cure for leprosy. And when you think of leprosy and you see pictures of people that have had leprosy, the first thing you think of is lost limbs and fingers falling off and noses and things like that. So here's what maybe you don't know. That's actually, leprosy doesn't cause your limbs to fall off. You, you lose feeling in the end of your nerves. Consequently, if you have leprosy, you're going to touch a hot stove and you won't even know that it's hot. You'll just burn your fingers. You'll, you'll start kicking things and, and touching things and you know, banging yourself up against things. And you're not knowing. What happens, the reason you begin to lose some of your, your extremities is because you're abusing yourself. You're abusing yourself and you don't even know it. On a soul level, this is what happens to a person who begins to just lose their way with God. You begin to just lose all sensitivity, and you begin to, to do things, and, and you begin to indulge in things, and what you don't know is you're killing your soul, and you don't even know it. And then he talks about the sexuality thing. Now, I know that when people come to church, they think, well, the only thing they ever have to say about sex in church is don't do it. Stay away from it. That's absolutely not the truth. I always have to remind you it was actually God's idea. I thought it was a great idea. And, and so when he talks about sexuality, it's, it's always outside of, of what God's plan for sexuality. And, and God has this beautiful plan for it, and it works beautifully. But what happens is when a person, many times, not all people, but for some people, they just begin to explore outside of the intent of God. And the next thing you know, they're, they're, you know, they're having affairs 
and they're getting deep into porn, and they're just looking for the, the next fix or, or, or something that's going like, to go next level. And that's, that's the way of lust, unfortunately. Lust is never satisfied. You, know, you, you get so far with it, and then you've got to take it a little bit further, and the next thing you know, you're doing stuff you never thought you would do. You're, you're having one-night stands, and, and you're like, how, how did I get from here to here? And that's what he's talking about, that slippery slope. How is that happening to me? And then he says they're full of greed. And greed is just materialism taken to an unhealthy place. Greed is just you and I saying, well, I want and I want. And, you know, when you take all of this, really what it is, it's us chasing stuff or experiences or something to make us feel alive in a place in our heart that's just reserved for God. It's reserved for God. And you and I will chase stuff all of our life and, and, and not get there. You know, it, it kind of, it's kind of the, the rolling stone syndrome. I can't get no satisfaction. And I tried and I tried and I tried, but I just can't get no satisfaction. Why? Because there's that place in your heart. And God is the only one that can fill it. And until God fills it, you will chase and chase and chase. And then he, he talks about the symptoms of this again. So some of the symptoms are becoming callous and, and cynical. I'm not going to ask how many of you are cynical by nature. I am. And I have to fight it every single day of my life. Because it's so easy to be cynical. It really is. Uh, every day that I get up, I have to say to myself, Steve, quit being so cynical. And isn't it easy? It's like, it's so easy just to jump in with everybody else that's being cynical. But what, who wants to be that kind of person? Who wants to be that, you know, when you walk into your room and go, oh, there's Frank. He is so cynical. You become this negative person. It's hard not to be cynical. It's hard to be positive. It's hard to see the world through the eyes of God. And then living only for pleasure. Just that was, that's actually was my story at 19 years old. That's actually what brought me to my knees. I'm so thankful that it happened young. A lot of times I tell the story to people and they go, well, I, I get it, but you were only 19. You were just like starting. And I, I go, yeah, I, I, I feel so blessed. Because at 19 years old, you know, I was just becoming like the party animal like so many people. And I was just party to party. And what happened at a very, very young age, and I think it's because of my experience with God earlier in my life, I realized that I was experiencing the law of diminishing returns. You all know what that is. You know, I have to party harder to get more satisfaction and, and, and to make it work for me. And so pretty soon, I'm just like, it, it, I, I go, you know what, Steve? This is not working for you. You are getting miserable. And so at 19 years old, I said, I need God. Literally brought me to my knees. And it was, it was the greatest thing. But you know, just, just going after pleasure. And then, and then believing nothing is off limits. Because after a while, again, we're talking about this slippery slope. Pretty soon, nothing is off limits. And you're, and you're thinking things, and you're indulging in things, and you're becoming a part of things you never thought in your wildest nightmares that you'd ever be a part of. This is what Paul's talking about. And then finally, you just hit that craving thing. Just craving it, craving it, craving it. Whether, it, whether it's, it's pleasure or, you know, indulgence in alcohol. or And, and by the way, have you ever noticed that when we get to this unhealthy place, it's not that any of these thing, things in themselves are bad. Like, how many of you like food, right? Food's pretty cool. But, but you can crave it to the point where you become unhealthy. And then suddenly, that which was good becomes bad. 
sex in its proper place is awesome, beautiful. But taken out of that context and turning into affairs and adultery and everything else, that porn and whatnot, suddenly it's, what was beautiful is no longer beautiful. And then you just began to crave and crave. Now, you've probably heard this before, but God loves you. You know, God loves you just like you are. Just, just for a moment, I want you to think of the most disgusting evil person you can think of. Just, just who, who would that be? And here's what I want you to know about that person. God loves that person just as much as he loves you. He does. God loves us just the way we are, but, but here's the caveat. He loves us too much to leave us that way. Why? Because God has a beautiful story for us to live out. And th- th- what we just talked about, that will not get you there. Chasing stuff, pleasure, living outside of God's plan for your life, that will not get you there. You'll never experience the beautiful story that God has for you. That's why in verse 22 it says, put off your old self, kind of the old wardrobe, put it away, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It's so easy. Once you start losing your way, you have a hard time discerning truth and you know, what's the way to go? And you, make, you, get, you begin to make really, really bad decisions. So the question is, all right, okay, we've talked about all the bad wardrobe and all the old life and where it goes. It doesn't go anywhere good. But what about the new life? Like, how do I dress for my life or dress for success, for what God wants to do in, in my life? Now, this man is well-dressed. I got to tell you, I want that suit. That is a well-dressed man. And God wants us to put on the new, to dress, to dress well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20 and 21 says, That, however, is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ. And we're taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So I want a couple of things I want to say about this scripture right here. Whenever Paul is talking and he uses the word Jesus Christ or Christ, He's always talking about, so in the context of us and our relationship to Christ, who we are in Christ, and we've talked a lot about that. But whenever he says Jesus, when he, at the end, the truth that is in Jesus, he's actually talking about the story of Jesus. He's talking about the Jesus that was born as a baby in Bethlehem and, and uh, grew up uh, in, in, as, in, in Nazareth, the, the one who performed miracles, the one who died on the cross, the one that rose from the dead. He's talking about that, and what he's really talking about is this epic story that captures our hearts and our imaginations, even today. All around the world, when people hear that story, there's something about that story. You see, that story changed the Apostle Paul's life. Well, you talk about a wardrobe change. Here is a guy that was a, you know, chasing down people in the church, persecuting them, responsible for their deaths, just breathing fire of hatred. And he puts on a whole new wardrobe. That's a complete turnaround. There's something about that story. I, I read something that uh, kind of sums this up, and I, I really liked it. The definition of biblical change, that when the Spirit of God uses the story of God to make the beauty of God come alive in our hearts. I mean, one more time. When the Spirit of God uses the story, that epic story of God, to make the beauty of God come alive in our hearts. That's, that's, that's what Paul's talking about here. To those who, who were in Christ, he's saying, go back to the story. Remember what, what he did for you. And so a lot of this has to do with a new wardrobe, a new way 
It's really how we think. We have to be receptive to thinking in an entire new way. That's why he says to be, new, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. You ever have a battle going on in your mind? I'll tell you what, the moment that you signed up to follow Jesus, the battle began. And it's, it's real. The struggle is real in, in, in your mind. And then King David one time, and I, I love this. That's why we pulled the psalm out here. He was, he was wanting to just kind of flesh out the stuff that was not, he was, wasn't feeling good about. And he says this in, in Psalm 139, verse 24. He says, see, and he's, he's praying to God. He says, God, see if there's any offensive way in me. If there's something that's wrong, something that shouldn't be there. And lead me in the way of ever, everlasting. You ever, you ever do that? It just capture, there's something in your mind, and you're like, oh. Thoughts that pass through, and you think, I don't think this is what God wants for me. That's what we're talking about. That's why when Paul writes to the Philippians, he actually says, okay, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about things, but I want you to think about good things. And, and so he says, finding brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble and right and whatever is pure and whatever is lovely. I mean, the question is, are these things even available today to us? Well, I guess it depends on what's going on in your own head, in your own environment. Uh, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, for some of us, it depends where you've been and where your mind, that could be a journey. But it's also a decision. And it's a decision that I have to make every day. I'm, I'm telling you, every day I have to take my thoughts start to get away from me sometimes. Sometimes they're angry thoughts. Sometimes they're, they're lustful thoughts. Sometimes whatever they are. And I just have to take responsibility for them and say, no, no, I'm not going to go there. So I choose beauty. I, I choose true. In, in a world that's so cynical, it almost seems like there is no beauty, but beauty is everywhere. It's in the eye of the beholder, the person who knows God. But you've got to look for it. You've got to look for truth, what's praiseworthy and, and, and excellent. And so... What are you putting into your mind? That, this is a huge question. What am I actually feeling in my mind? What am, what am I actually feeding my mind and, and putting into it? So think about what you're thinking about. Think about what you're thinking. What, what would that be? Now, I can tell you, in, in my life, I, I could, once in a while, man, I, I, I can feel my thoughts going in a place I don't want them to go to. And so you, how many of you heard the expression, junk in, junk out, garbage in? Garbage out. You know, so, I mean, if you're just like letting, you know, 50 shades of gray moving towards 100, you know, you just got to know, like, wait a second, this is not going in a healthy direction. And then I, sometimes I talk to people and they go, oh, my mind is filled with all this stuff. And then if we'll have a real, real conversation, I'll discover that they're putting all, I mean, they're exposing themselves to stuff that they watch, stuff that they hear, stuff all around them. And I'm like, well, is it any wonder? And, and, and so if we're going to change the way we think, that's where the responsibility comes on us. We say, okay, I'm actually, I have to take responsibility for what I see, for what I hear, for, for, for what, I, what I watch. I, my wife and I, we, we love to watch, uh, probably like a lot of you know, Netflix binge once in a while. Uh, but th- there's some awesome stuff. They're putting out so many good movies, it's crazy. But they're also putting some stuff out that's not real healthy from wanting to have a, a, a good mind you know, a, a mind that's in sync with God. And, and so while my wife was gone the other day, 
she was visiting her grandkids. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was like 9 o'clock, and I'm like, well, I think I'll watch that Netflix movie before I go to bed. So, you know, I'm like doing the search, and I came up on this one movie, and I thought, well, that's kind of, I was looking for a movie that was fun, kind of had some redeem, redeeming value to it, and so I, I thought I found it. And so I'm about 15 minutes into the movie, and it is not going there. It is going in a completely different direction. And I find my mind going to places I don't want it to go to. You know, this whole sexual thing is starting to happen. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, my wife is gone. I'm here watching Netflix by myself. This is not going to happen. Turn the TV off. And went to bed early. But that, that's what I'm talking about. That's how, you, that's how you take control of your mind. And then, I got ahead of myself there. Here we are. Am I challenging my default thoughts and actions? So what, what is my default thoughts and actions? That's when you're having a really bad day or something happens to you. Like, what's, what are the triggers? Like, what are the things that you do? And is it coming from the old person? Is it coming from the old life, the old wardrobe? You know, are you suddenly back in the 70s leisure suit? Or are you in what God has for you now, today? All right? And, and folks, by the way, this, this is a transformation, all right? I realize this is not just like, I was this way, and today I'm this way. I realize this is a journey. There's lots of grace in this. But the Christian life does look like something. And it doesn't look like it used to look, if we're making progress, if we're moving with God. It's changing. He's, he's changing us. And so we have to choose actions that match our new thought, not our old thoughts. So when, when that thing happens to you, and you, get, you receive that horrible news, or that text, or or, you know, your, your kid, you found out, is sent home from school because they did something stupid, or whatever it is that sets you off, it's the new thinking. Okay, okay, I'm not going to lose it like I used to. I'm going I'm to think in, in, in a whole new way. He says to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, the, the new self, there's no more beautiful style than this. Wearing righteousness and holiness, it looks so good on you. It makes you so attractive. It makes me so attractive. When you and I wear righteousness, everybody around you is going to notice. They're going to go, wow, that, that's attractive. That, that looks good. When we wear holiness, and I know holiness is one of those words that people sort of struggle with. It just simply means God's plan for your life specifically, okay? It, it's God, his story playing out in your life and making you different than everybody else. It doesn't say put on the new self, created to be just like everybody else, fit into the culture. That's really great plan? No. It says, put on the new self, create to be like God, righteous, holy, set apart for a purpose. That's what we're we're talking about. And so I want to end with this verse right here. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourself, and there's that word, clothe yourself, you wardrobe, with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Now, Here's what I don't want you to hear. I don't want you to hear this as just another message that's, so you just be good, and you be nice, and you think good thoughts. Because for the most part, isn't that what people think about religion? That you walk into this place, everybody's gathered together, and somebody shames you for, you know, a while, tells you to be good, and so you... You know, you kind of experience that. And then you walk out and you go, well, I guess I should be better. That's just behavior modification. What God is, at, is after is soul transformation. 
It's, it's from the inside out. In, in, in the year 1517, there was a young monk. His name was Martin Luther. You probably heard it. And that year, he was having an issue with the church. And he, he walks up to the Wittenberg door on the church castle in Germany. And he hammers out 95 theses on that door. And it can all be summed up in this. The church at that, that time was saying, essentially, you can buy your way to heaven or work your way to heaven. They would have indulgence, indulgences. I can hardly pronounce that. And, and, and so you could buy your, you could, you could have your sins forgiven if you just paid enough. And certainly you had to jump through all these religious hoops. And that's where the church was. And Martin Luther, who had done a deep study in the book of Romans, and also in the book of Ephesians said, no, that's, that's actually wrong. That's wrong. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are saved by grace, not by works, so that nobody gets to boast, boast. So in other words, what he was saying is like all of this thing of like working your way to heaven, if, we, if, 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 it's, if we're about that, then we're like every other religion in the world. Every faith system is about that. Be better. Be nicer. Work, work, work. And if you're lucky... Maybe, maybe you'll get to heaven. And Jesus comes along and he dies on a cross. And he goes, I did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. Well, what does the church say to Martin Luther? They say, you can't say that. You can't say that. If, if you say that, you're going to give them license to do whatever they want. And Martin Luther says, no. If they know that God loves them so much that he sent his son into the world to die for them, then they'll do something. They won't do what they want to do anymore. They'll do what he wants them to do. And that's the difference. You see, everything that I do since I've become a Christ follower, and I haven't done it perfectly, but it's just one big thank you to God for what he did for me. Everything that comes out of my life, why do I want to be kinder and more gentle? Why do, why do I keep striving to be a better human being and the better version of me? it's all about that. It's just thank you. Thank you. I want to live out your story, God, for my life. I, I know that he already took care of the, the rest of my life. I don't have to earn. I'm, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because he already paid the price. Do you know that today? Do you know that? Let's pray. Father, I know that you would never, ever want us to be afraid of you. Because we really, we, we can't love that which we fear. And I just pray that we would know how much you really do love us. And you love us just like we are. But God, you've got a beautiful life for us. A beautiful story that's to be played out in every human being in this room right now. And, and, and the question is, Will we let you in to the degree that you can change us? That we literally begin to walk in a new way, that we have a new look with new words, with a new attitude, with a new way of thinking. And it's, it's, it's not about us just changing ourselves, because we're not very good at that, God. But it's about us embracing you and saying, God, just thank you for what you've done. And from this point forward, everything that I do will be because I love you, not because I have to just because I love you, what you did for me. Help us to understand that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
It's been a great day today. Glad you were here. Uh, you'll notice on your seat, we just a little memory verse it's like from our message today. You might want to put this on your refrigerator. You look at it first thing tomorrow, because I know you're going to head straight for the refrigerator. And you're going to see these words, put on the new self. And it'll be a Monday. You know how Mondays are. And you're, you're going to say to yourself, oh, yeah, put on the new self, the new attitude. Okay? God bless you guys. Have a great weekend. If you want to help us with the chairs. By the way, Barth is up here. He would love to pray with you if you have any needs. The